that all those who have given their lives to me, all those who I have given, and remember, oppression is not given by the enemy. Allah is not an oppressor, but Allah Ta'ala gives oppression to the believers as a means to become closer to Him and as a means for Allah to exalt their status in the hereafter. That in times of oppression, we find that the only support and strength and hope is in terms of the Ta'ala when no human being is willing, no human being is in a position to assist us. It is at that time that we know and that we accept and we acknowledge and we recognize and identify that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the power of the hereafter, all the power over every creation that Allah has created belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when the power is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He chooses when to execute His power. And He chooses when to withhold the effects of His power. But that is so that we trust in the wisdom and in the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, there are so many ways and it's very difficult for a speaker to deliver a discourse on the day of Jum'ah in a limited amount of time, especially to the same audience every week. Because there are so many thoughts that swirl in the minds of the speaker. There are so many thoughts in the minds of the listeners. And sometimes a listener does not feel fulfilled or satisfied if a speaker does not address a specific thought that is relative to the mindset of the speaker. In simplicity, what I'm trying to say is that if a certain matter has affected you this week, perhaps people have offended you, perhaps people have stolen from you, perhaps your family has rejected you, on the day of Jum'ah or any other gathering where you sit and there is a party of Islamic advice, naturally you will want that advice and you will want that motivation and inspiration and encouragement to be on the lips of the speaker, to take away the rejection and to elevate your spirit and to show that Alhamdulillah my needs and my matters and my worries and concerns are being addressed. It is impossible for a speaker to read the minds of every single one in the audience. But whenever Allah is mentioned, whenever Rasulullah is mentioned, whenever the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are mentioned, then remember within the sources is the solution to what you are hearing. It is not an introduction to the subject, but it is an introduction to the source of knowledge and the source of motivation and inspiration. We don't take the inspiration from human beings. We take the inspiration from Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is what we need to understand is the foundation of Iman and the foundation of faith. So it becomes very difficult for us to constantly and consistently adopt subjects of discussion that may appeal to everyone. The information does not have to be specific or relative. The information needs to be investigated further because you will find the solution to your problem. But you know where we live today in a society where the problem is not the problem, but the problem are people's attitudes to the problem. And that for every problem, there is a solution. But people find problems in the solution as well. Especially when those solutions emanate from Allah and Jesus. So the matters that are happening in Palestine is always relative and related, whether it is a direct subject or a subtopic. But there is always something we can extrapolate from what is currently taking place to implement and apply in our very own life that we live, which in many cases is dissimilar to the plight of the Palestinians. But there are lessons that we are learning every day 
from reports, from what we are watching, from information that is being transmitted. And we need to sift through this information and say, it does not apply to me in a direct sense. Why? I am not sleeping at night in any danger of bombs destroying my house. So I am not in any way related to that sentiment. I am in no way being cut off from water and food. I am in no way being denied hospital treatment. So we cannot relate to those aspects of challenges and difficulties. But what we need to look at within this whole crisis is particularly what appeals to us and how that is related to what we as individuals are currently experiencing and how we can adopt the lessons of this crisis in a more holistic way and understand where we need to appreciate our lives, where we need to appreciate our comfort, and where in a time of comfort it is more important to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while it is expected to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a time of difficulty. The test is different for everyone. Everybody has their own personal jihad. Before we decide that we want to fly to the Middle East and take up arms, Allah in His own wisdom has not made that logistically possible. He's not made it possible due to uh, limitations on borders, on passports, on passports and flights, etc. We are many people have the route but cannot find the means and cannot find the route. Fair enough. Does that mean that Allah is depriving us of the opportunity of jihad when we have it in our hearts? We may be saying, yeah, Allah, I want to go to But Ya Allah, why is there prevention by human beings? Ya Allah, surely you will accept my need, you will accept my objective, and you will make the means for me to reach them. Inshallah, since Allah's will, may Allah Ta'ala make materialize. But it does not need to say that we sit on our waters and wait for that opportunity to come and think that that is the only form of jihad in Islam. That is the only form of jihad to a believer. Every one of us possesses a soul. When the Sahaba returned from a very, very difficult and challenging battle, which was the expedition of Tabuk, one of the most difficult expeditions in Islam, when they returned, the Prophet addressed them in the masjid and he said something to them. Imagine they are wounded, they are battered, they are tired, they are exhausted, they are fatigued. And when people go to that sort of challenge and those sort of difficulties, they expect a certain sense of relief in that our sacrifices and our knowledge and we find relief in the fact that we endured and we have shown strength and resolve and we have made it through the difficult part. When you have been on a difficult journey and you return home, do you not feel a sense of relief? Do you not feel a sense of accomplishment, of achievement? that I have been through something so difficult and I managed to endure to it and fight my way through it and I showed courage in the face of adversity and here I am today, we will pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm a strong person. When these Sahaba reached Medina to Munawwara and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gathered them in Damascus, after having undertaken one of the most difficult expeditions in Islam, what did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say to them? Well done, my Sahaba. You have done good in the cause of Allah, that your sacrifices are accepted, that what you have done is sufficient to assure you Jannah in the hereafter, that you don't have to do anything to strive in the path of Islam because you have done something so difficult. Nabi Shalasan said, you have returned from the minor jihad to the jihad of Akbar, which is the greatest jihad. Imagine, you've been through the most difficult period in your life, 
and you arrive and himself that this person complimenting you and commenting you is saying that was not the difficult part. What you have returned to, although it may be peaceful around you, although it is your home and you have your families present and you are in a state of comfort, this is the greatest jihad. The jihad of the nafs. The jihad of the soul. We may not have the jihad of fighting a physical, clear, present, apparent enemy. But internally we are fighting our jihad against the waswasa and the temptations of shaitan. So we do not have to be in Palestine. We do not have to be in Kashmir. We do not have to be in Rohingya to be regarded as those who are mujahideen in the path of Allah. But rather every day that we have to fight the temptations of our soul, the battle, the eternal battle that goes on between and she trying to switch the demand. Seeds of doubt, by planting seeds of envy, of hatred, of anger, of dislike. This is the jihad that we have to face every day. It is easy to fight an open enemy, an enemy who is in front of you, but to fight the hidden enemy. Because the enemy that is in front of you wants to harm your body. And depending on your skill of self-defense, you can protect yourself. But the, the enemy that is within us, who we can't see, who we can't hear, who has access to our minds and has access to our hearts. That is the most dangerous and that is the most difficult enemy because he does not want to take your life. He wants to take something that matters more than your life and that is our enemy. So every day that we fight against Shaitan, which is the hidden enemy, and we overcome Shaitan, and we repel Shaitan, and when you are in the choice of being something good and bad, and there is Allah who is commanding us to do good. On the other hand, Shaitan is showing us the beauty and the comfort of doing something bad. The heart wants what it wants. The heart wants comfort. The heart wants stability. The heart wants wealth. But Allah is saying, I am offering you the Akhirah. He is offering you the dunya. You are in a position to choose, not between life and death, but you have been placed in a position to choose temporary life of comfort or eternal life and perpetual life of being in the good place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is our jihad, So like I said, it was a bit of a lengthy uh, uh, preview. I'm sorry for that. Like I said, it's very difficult for us to speak on the day of Jumas. So please, you know, have some, some empathy in that we cannot always say what we want to say. We are caught between our brains and our hearts as well. Our brains say that we should deliver a certain subject and a certain uh, a sensitive discussion on current affairs. But when the heart gets emotional, then naturally it dispels the thoughts from the brain and we want to say what is in our heart. So it's also an internal conflict that we go to in terms of public speaking. So at times, uh, be a little bit uh, compassionate with us and be a little bit lenient with us as well. Uh, it's, it's not a very difficult thing, but it's easy to criticize as well. So the purpose of what I'm saying today is that from the many lessons that we extrapolate from what is currently going on in Palestine, what marvels us as Muslims in this country and non-Muslims around the world is the unity of the Palestinians, is the faith in the face of oppression, is the deepness of the Iman, the resignation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that all good and bad comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
And you get many videos that are circulating, people send it to me, I'm sorry, I do not look at it unless it's very relevant. I try not to desensitize myself to watching too much of gore and too much of bloodshed. Why? Because they desensitize us. And it comes to a point where a dead child, we will just walk past it without even noticing it. So let's not watch too much of that. We know the situation. Let's leave it to our understanding rather than our visuals. I'll give a simple example. A person, uh, a medical personnel who work in a trauma unit. The death does not give them any sensitivity anymore. It is not that they are not humans, but seeing something often and regularly desensitizes us to that. So when they are seeing death on a daily basis, they are seeing wounds and injuries on a daily basis, that the person who comes in, they cannot have any emotion or sensitivity, but rather they simply look to the fact that this is a human being and I have a job to try and save their life and mend their wounds. So let us not watch too much of this. We know the situation. Then there are those videos that are circulating of non-Muslims become awakened and enlightened about the deen of Islam, looking at the iman of the people, looking at the support of Muslims, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the unity. MashaAllah. This is what is shown on the surface and this is the side of Islam that it's important for us to project so that people know the truth. Islam dictates of what is the command of Allah and the Prophet But what is in Islam? What we need to save ourselves from is hypocrisy. And I tell you why. I see families and I see people that, Alhamdulillah, show so much of solidarity with the people of Palestine. That, that it is something which is remarkable in these times in which we live. Non-Muslims speaking out openly. And this is why, and I say this, I'm, I'm never politically aligned to any party. But Alhamdulillah, blood has been separated from water. Oil and water have now been separated. We know, and the political parties in this country, who support pro-Zionists and who are pro-Israel. Make your vote according to them. We can live with a couple of hours of lotion. We can live with potholes. We can live with the difficulties. But to know the government that we support has the interest of Muslims at heart and wants to stop atrocities, I think we need to cast our vote for the sake of those who support those who we support amongst the Muslims. So I'm not telling you to vote for. What I'm saying is, understand who is supporting our brothers and sisters and who is supporting those who are killing. And saying this is what you want, take it. But for those who want me and the Akhirah, I am available and I am calling. It's a simple matter of now being decisive. But where the hypocrisy comes in is that the very families and the society and the community that are showing solidarity with the people of Palestine as they should be doing, within themselves they have internal conflicts. That they look to the plight of a people 10,000 kilometers away but will not look to maintain the relationships with their own families in their own homes and in their own direct circles. Now is this not a sense of hypocrisy? And why I am saying this? A social matters are very, very, very distressing at the moment. That on a daily basis, we are dealing with families that are breaking themselves apart. That are severing ties with one another over the insignificance of money, of marriage, of talaq, and even at times when the patriarch 
of the household who is the man who Allah has entrusted as the shepherd of his flock, who is his family. When he wants to adopt an Islamic stance that is aligned with Allah and the food in his house, you find the wife and the children rejecting it because it seems like a sense of extremity and an imposition upon their comfortable lives. And so there are threats that if you want to live a strict, conditional Islamic life, we will have no part of it and it's rather that we will sever ties with you so we can live life on our terms and conditions. And it is not only from the side of the man to the woman, sometimes it is only to the man. But what I'm trying to say is the hypocrisy of showing unity and solidarity with people all over the world and not trying to harmonize and show the same type of solidarity and humanity and empathy and compassion to those who are around you. That you will look for any means to break a relationship to sever ties with people rather than look with any means to, to reaffirm, to resuscitate and reignite the bond between us. This is what we have become as a community and I say to this because every day you are finding families being driven apart. That when there is issues between husband and wife, children become involved. Children become the victims. Children have to choose a parent. Why do children have to choose for the crimes? Why do children have to pay for the crimes of their parents? Unfortunately, are putting their children in a position where they have to choose, otherwise they will sever ties with the child. Do we have any right to do this? To ask people to break ties with someone because that someone has annoyed us or offended us or who does not want to do what we want them to do. If we cannot control the person, we are asking others who will control to sever ties with that person. That is very simple and fundamental understanding and policy. That if a person offends you directly and you feel that it is imperative that you reconsider your ties with them, that should be your choice. But nobody should put pressure on someone else to break ties with another person because you are unsatisfied with your relationship with the third person. We need to be able to decide this ourselves, but we are being manipulated. And I'm only about probably 10 minutes if you allow me. I know last week I sort of went over the timeline, which I apologize for. But these are matters that I only get to discuss with you once a week. And I understand I'm trying to unload thoughts of four or five days from the previous Jumma in 30 minutes. It becomes, a bit, it becomes a bit difficult. So the subject that I want to come to is, let's not be hypocrites. We are forming solidarity and alliances and need with Whilst we are breaking ties with people who we know all our lives. And who Allah Ta'ala has connected us through blood. Every Muslim is connected to the Shahada. But there are certain Muslims that Allah has connected to blood. And this is why Allah Ta'ala mentions two verses in the Holy Quran. And both verses are in the khutbahs of Nikah and the khutbah of Jummah respectively. In the khutbah of Nikah, Nabi Sallallahu is to recite the first opening ayat of Surah Al-Nisa. Ya ayyuhal nasu taqu, rabbakum al-lazhi khalaqakum min nafsi wahidah, wa khalaqakum min hazidah, wa khalaqakum min hazidah, wa Allah opens the mouth by saying, O mankind, Allah has created you from male and female, and from there Allah Ta'ala originated the birth and the growth of population to many males and females. But Allah says, That fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fulfilling the rights of your kingship. Fulfill the rights of those who are close to you. To show solidarity with everybody else is something we do because we are Muslims. 
but to show solidarity with family and try not to break up family. That is a command from Allah. That is the ayah that is recited in the khutbah of Nikah. But in the khutbah of Jum'ah, which we hear every week, and maybe it is my deficiency that I have spoken about it before, in the closing of the Jum'ah khutbah, and that is because we know it every week, many of us know the ayah. We hear the recited, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ and that you maintain family ties. No matter the difficulty, do not be the one who breaks family ties. If family breaks ties with you, that is a different matter. But ensure they are breaking ties with you because you are on hack, not because of your own deficiencies. But do not be the one who breaks family ties. Why? Because the the one who has broken family ties with excusable, Islamically compliant reason, they will never enter Jannah. We see people who we know in our community are responsible for breaking ties with family, for dividing families. What do we do about them? We should fight. We don't want to advise them. You know, it's not my problem. I often have a saying, when I look at certain situations which I don't want to get involved in because the people there are not emotionally and, and uh, not emotionally mature and, 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 mature, uh, and, and emotionally intelligent enough to take clear advice that don't break relationship, make relationship. So I have a saying in my mind that I always remind myself that I'm very inclined to become involved. Sometimes there are certain people that beyond hope because they want to hear what they want to hear, they don't want to hear what they need to hear. If you agree with them, they accept it. If you disagree with them, they reject it. So I have a saying that says, not my circus, not my monkeys. Not my circus, not my monkeys. And we are many like that. We choose not to get involved. But if people were receptive to us becoming involved to create the bonds, then what would Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? That Allah's mercy will not descend upon a community in that community, there are people who have family ties. So we're wondering why all of us as a But they say this is collective punishment where everybody has to pay for the crime of Hamas. And I must say that what Hamas did is a crime. That is in according to their opinion. So here we all become victims of being bereft of the mercy of Allah because amongst us or maybe we are one of the perpetrators of breaking family ties. Now there's so much I needed to say on the subject, but I'm just going to try, allow me just to try and go through it as quickly as possible. So the mercy of Allah does not descend upon the community amongst where there are people who break family ties. Second is that the one who breaks family ties will not enter jungle. Every day we make a dua for two things. And if you're not making dua for two things, then probably you're not a normal human being. But we're asking Allah for Ya Allah, increase our wealth. Ya Allah, increase our age and our lifespan. Alhamdulillah, it's good to ask for this. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, there is something which is a catalyst to this dua being accepted by Allah. We want welcome and we want increase in risk. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Whoever loves that their barakah be increased and the provision be increased from Allah and whoever loves 
that their ages be extended and they live long life. Two things every human being wants. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Fa alham. Then such a person can achieve that by maintaining ties with their family. Making dua to Allah Ta'ala if you have broken family ties. And this is the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu If you have broken family ties, your du'as are rejected by Allah. Everybody's du'as are accepted except Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam specified those who have broken family ties. So here it says, Maintain your family ties is a command from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Sometimes we feel, and you know it's, it's a conundrum, especially amongst evil Muslims, that their families reject them when they accept Islam. And Alhamdulillah, I've met some families that have embraced their family members that have accepted Islam. And those family members that have accepted Islam have become a means for others to accept Islam. Because they are demonstrating the perfect akhlaq of Islam. But see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Waqas who was very close to his mother. When he accepted Islam, his mother rejected him. And in a way he rejected his mother. Because she did not love him. She loved him so much, but she wanted him to stay true to the ways of infidelity. Uh, sorry, not infidelity. <laughs> I hope many of you don't understand what that word means. But rather, he wanted to stay close to idolatry. That's very funny. Uh, idolatry. And she rejected that. And what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to him? That yes, you have a right. Your mother hates me. She wants you to accept a rock and a God other than me. Fine. Allah says, says, but I'm still maintaining your sa'ad. That be good to your parents. Allah says, if they tell you to worship others than besides me, don't obey them. But Allah says, I'm giving you authority not to obey them, but I'm giving you advice and instruction that still maintain good ties with them. Meaning they say, I will not accept you, uh, uh, forcing me to worship any other religion, but I will still love you, I will still obey you, and I will still honor you, and I will still be in your service. So this is how Allah is saying, that if there is a family tie where the parent rejects Allah, Allah is saying, they may reject me, don't follow them in that, but I'm not saying because of that you should break ties with them. Even under those circumstances, you must retain ties with them. Then, I'm just going to go to his political events. Abdullah ibn Salam, was a Jew, a very knowledgeable Jew in Medina to Munabar. And he was very objective. He had read in the Torah about the qualities of the coming Prophet, which have now been erased because the Zionists followed the Talmud, not the Torah. And so he was anticipating and eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Prophet And when the Prophet came, the Jewish, his Jewish people, or his followers, always said that this person who is coming is an imposter. Imposter means he's a charlatan, he's a fake. He's pretending to come with a new religion. But he was a very clear-minded, objective thinker. And so he waited for the arrival of the Prophet because he wanted to compare the quality of the Prophet to the scriptures of the Torah. And when the Prophet entered Medina to Munawwara, people said to him, Oh, Abdul, oh, at the time his name was Hussein ibn Salam. I said to him, Oh, Hussein ibn Salam, come, come, this Muhammad that you are waiting for has arrived. And when he went to the Prophet he noticed that there were hordes of people surrounding the Prophet He fought his way to the crowd. Firstly, we always judge a person by what we see. There are some people, alhamdulillah, that exude piety. And that is why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that 
that when you look at a person and they remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those are good people. Do not look at how they dress, what brand of clothing, what car they arrive in, whether they are fair or dark, that's irrelevant. If the person's piety is reflected on the outside and they remind you of Allah, then those are the best of Allah's people. So when he looked first at the face of the Prophet he said, Ma haza he said, I'm looking at this face, it is so radiant, it is so beautiful. This cannot be the face of a liar. If anything, this is a face where Allah has chosen to be his prophet. So really in his heart, only by looking at the Prophet not even hearing a word of the message of the Prophet and really in his heart is falling in love. And then he's waiting now for the statement. You know sometimes, uh, I always say thunder, lightning, happens simultaneously, but the speed of light travels faster than the speed of sound. So you see lightning first, and then after you hear thunder. But it happens at the same time. But there's a delay in it reaching the human hair and the human eye. So some people appear bright until you hear them speak. Because the light comes first and then after the voice. So you look at someone and say, MashaAllah, when you hear them talk, you say, what was going to my mind about this person? So in the same way, the look had an effect. Now he's waiting to hear. And what was the first words of the Prophet that he said? Nabi Sallallahu said, Do not say, I am Muhammad, I am the Prophet of Allah, you should believe in me, that you should forget all your historic and, 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 and other beliefs of your family, that I come from a great family. When we want to introduce ourselves to a people, this is what we want to say, we want to introduce ourselves first. So people must know how important we are. And we do that. When we give introduction to great ulama who are putting out a painting, remember we have so much of titles on the poster sometimes that we run out of space on the poster. But we need to put, put into the people who are in front of a very important personality. And that person wants to also introduce themselves, to give himself importance in your eyes so that we will be captivated by him. But the Prophet did not speak about himself. What was the first thing the Prophet said? Subhanallah. He said, Fafsus Salah. Spread peace amongst you. Feed the poor. Maintain your family ties. And pray to Allah in the night whilst the people are sleeping. And enter Jannah with peace. How profound is this? The first thing the Prophet spoke about was peace. Spoke about was empathy to the poor. Spoke about was maintaining family ties spoke about praying to Allah Ta'ala and said that if you just do these four things in the year after you enter Jannah. What a statement. When Abdullah ibn Salam heard this, he said, now, Alhamdulillah, there is a juxtaposition in the face of the words and in heart accepted Islam. And what's the beauty part of it? I'm so sorry. Please give me two minutes. You know, the mind is now starting to warm up. That why People break ties sometimes is understandable. You know, when it comes to family, we must give our charity to family first. But this was from said that If you give sadaqa and charity to the poor, you get the reward of sadaqa. But if you give that sadaqa to a poor family member who is deserving of sadaqa, then you don't only get the reward of sadaqah, but you get double sawab, which is the sawab of giving them sadaqah and the sawab of maintaining family ties. So you got double view. So look closest to us first. But you know there's our problem, and I understand this. You see, when we do things for people, 
the first and I conclude with this. And that's why many of us become disillusioned and we become disorientated. You know when someone goes to someone for help and you don't want to help them, don't embarrass them, don't tell them, say, I am not in a position to help you, all I can do is make you happy. Even though you have something to give, but you doubt the integrity of the person, say, I'm not the person. Of people who are asking from them, they say, go to the masjid and see the Quran. That's the easiest way to go to the summer. Uh, we can't help you, but the Mulan at the Masjid can help you. And daily I get all the people coming here. We were told to come to Did you find out from me whether I'm in a position to help you? Did you call me directly if you want to accompany me? So understand my position. They put the responsibility and the guilt of turning people away on me and they redirect that and say, well, the Mulan can do it his way and we're not going to look bad in this person's life. That's, that's what we have to do on a daily basis. But why we become where we are, and sometimes we become suspicious, is this. When you give a person the first time, they appreciate it. When you give this person a second time, so the first time you give them, it creates appreciation. The second time you give them, it creates anticipation. Meaning they know now this person gives me, first time I appreciated it, now when I see them, I'm going to await for them to give something for me because they've proven they are charitable people. So second time creates anticipation. When you give the third time, it creates expectation. You can help a person once and twice and the next time they come, they expect you to help them. It's no longer a request, it's an expectation. The fourth time when you give them, it creates entitlement. That now I am entitled to get what you have to give. And when you don't give it after the fourth time, what happens? It creates resentment. They hate you for it. So you know, and I've been through this process many times. You give a person once, just akala. You give them second time, uh, alhamdulillah, try. You give them third time, no, I came here because I know you're going to give me. You give them the fourth time, well, yeah, I'm entitled to this. It's my right that you have to give me. And you don't give them the fourth time, I hate you. Why are you not giving me? So you see how human mind works. And it's made us what people do. With that, I'll conclude, inshallah. I hope the message was delivered uh, clearly. May Allah Ta'ala guide us, inshallah. And may Allah Ta'ala always remember all our first Muslims throughout the world. May Allah Ta'ala grant the victory. Again, I do apologize uh, for the few extra minutes that I have taken. There are my prayers requested for Abdul Haq, uh, Ghulam Hussein. Abdul Haq, Ghulam Hussein Mullah, Badul Nisa Ayu. Hajjad ibn Arad, Zahra Katrada, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala had given a hundred years in this world, she passed away. Nasima Musa, Ruth, Gwendoli, Vahid, Hajra, Isaac, Haji,
أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم يا معشر المسلمين رحمه الله قد ورد في الخبر عن سيد البشري أنه قال إذا سعد الخطيب على المنبر فلا يتكلمن أحدكم ومن تكلم فقد لغى ومن لغى فلا جمعة له فأنصتوا رحمكم الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حين على الصلاة Thank <laughs> you. 
Philistine,
سلام علیکہ یا سلام